Welcome to the Lift Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is the greatest lift in life. We are so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will give you a lift of encouragement through this message. Luke chapter 22. This is Jesus' last evening on earth. And he's in the garden. And he is praying. And, And this is what it says. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him. And on reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, and then he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet, hey, can we repeat this sentence together? Not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, for he was in anguish, and he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he went back to his disciples. He found them asleep. Someone say, come on now. Exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. I want to preach a simple message that I've entitled, The Tale of Two Wills. The Tale of Two Wills. Let's pray. Father, not my will, but let yours be done. Let that become our true prayer, for it's easier said than it is done. So, Father, do a deep work inside me. Do a deep surgery inside me. Not my will, but yours be done. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone who agrees with that could say... Amen. Not my will, but yours be done, has had my attention for a while. It is indicative that there is a clash of a human being. Jesus was 100% human. He's also 100% God. But there is a human will literally being talked about clashing with the Father's will. (laughs) I don't want to do this. This is going to be uncomfortable. I dread the steps before me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The will all throughout Bible is spoken of as being incredibly important. How your will responds to his will is a very big deal to God. How your will responds to his will is a very big deal. To God. And, and, and just from this scripture, I see three quick observations about the will, because you and I have had similar thoughts as Jesus, and that is this, I feel like I know the will of God, and it doesn't match up the will of, with the will of my feelings, emotions, and flesh, and so I don't want to do this, and we can all feel it. So here's three quick observations about the will. Number one, your will won't always align with his will. Captain Obvious up here, right? (laughs) That's why even Jesus has to pray, not my will, let yours be done. Take comfort. If he has to pray it as the son of God, you and I might need to get comfortable praying it on the regular. Number two, doing his will isn't always easy. That's kind of Captain Obvious as well. For it was so strenuous on Jesus and the human flesh that it said his sweat was as if drops of blood was coming down. It is that contrarian to what his flesh wants. 
that contrarian to what his emotions want, what his feelings want. And so your will, um, doing his will, isn't always the easiest path. And number three is that when you fall asleep on his will, temptation gets stronger. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me on that last point. Jesus said to his disciples, when you fall asleep on the will I've asked you to accomplish, he said, pray that you can stay awake for temptation is becoming stronger when you fall asleep. In other words, his will is a very big deal. And I need my will to submit to his will. I wrote it down this way. If your will does not align with his will, then your next thrill will lead you downhill. Oh, come on. now! I'm going to drop the mic even though it's hooked to my ears. All right. If your will does not align with his will, then your next thrill will lead you downhill. Okay, it's not just a little bit of a rhyme, it is the truth because temptation is always waiting around the corner and is trying to separate you from his will. If I can get you off of his will, it's a very big deal in the kingdom of God. In fact, Matthew 7, 21 is Jesus affirming this when he said, oh yeah, 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 wills, heaven and hell's on the line when it comes to wills. He says it this way. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually, someone say actually. actually, actually with an X. Come on. Only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven enter the kingdom of God. Our will, lining up with his will, is a really big deal. And our world just doesn't tell us this tale. That's why it's the tale of two wills. Because we have a will inside and he's got a will for us. And let me affirm you that God has a will for you. God has a will for each one. He's got a purpose. And God wants to teach you that. But um, we don't get this in school, do we? I can remember a day where even when I transitioned from private school to public school, we used to start each day before the announcement stopping to have a moment of prayer so that we might connect with the big, the big man upstairs before we start telling you how to win in life. Maybe we're saying winning in life starts with connecting with him. We've taken that out of the equation. And, and, and what the world teaches us is the more popular you get, the, 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 if you become an uh, athletic star or a pop star or a celebrity or someone with fame or clout. In other words, our world teaches you that talent and greatness is what we celebrate. But greatness doesn't get us into heaven. The amount of followers you have does not get you into heaven. It's our will loves attention, affirmation, and, and crowds, and, 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 and winning, and greatness, and, 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 and setting yourself apart. And yet, this is what God is saying is that your will lining up with my will is the biggest deal. I would say that the world's translation in 2022 of that last scripture I read would read something like this. Those who work hard, achieve a lot, make money, and do some good things from time to time will enter the kingdom of heaven. Is that not the world's message that has been portrayed to you? Because I can remember believing, as long as I do enough good things to counteract the bad things, be a good person, work hard, contribute to society, 
And surely God will let you in, right? That's the world's translation. But the New Living Translation says, only those who actually do the will of our Father in heaven shall enter into the kingdom. So then the question is, what's God's will for me? I'm so glad you asked the most profound, hard to explain question that you could possibly throw at me with 16 minutes and 31 seconds to answer the question everybody wants to know. The most popular question that I get as a pastor, how do I know God's will for me? How do I know his calling for me? And I can't answer it in that quick of time. I'm not even sure I could answer it, and I think that's the point. Because if I got God to give me his point-blank will, I'd go, thank you very much, I got it from here. And I would enter into full-blown doism. I don't need any more faith. I don't even need any more relationship. Like, like a, a warrior on assignment, I got my mission. Uh, thank you very much. See you back at headquarters because I'm going to go do the thing you've called me to do. And there wouldn't be much faith. There wouldn't be much relationship. But see, that's why God's not like a merchant where you say, hey, hook me up with what I'm looking for. Thanks very much. Nowhere to find you again when I need more. Got my gas fill up. Glug, glug, glug. It's a Sunday morning. You filled me up, God. I know where to find you next Sunday. Peace. God wants to not just be a merchant where you know how to find him. He wants to actually be on the journey with you. He wants to be in the passenger seat with you. Better yet, he wants to be in the driver's seat, but some of us don't like his driving. I'm not sure... God likes some of our driving as he's <laughs> in the passenger seat. We go, where? <laughs> when? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? We need not my will, but your will be done. My will is to always grab the steering wheel, but his will is to let him take control. In fact, Proverbs 16, 9 clarifies this. In their hearts, humans plan their whole course. I know where I'm going. I know how to get there. I got a 10-year plan because the merchant gassed me up, and I'm good for the next 365 miles. I've got a course, but it is God, the Lord, who establishes your steps. I'll give you one step at a time. Why? Because you will lead me right here. I know how you roll. <laughs> I know how the human condition is. You will lead me, and you need me in your car. That's why he's a light unto our path. It's almost like an imminent short-term light. Why? Because I think staying in conversation with him is more important than having that long, uh, full-blown, comprehensive will. Does that resonate for some people? Let you off the hook a little bit? If you know what he's told you to do this week, you, you know his will for your life. Now, since I can't answer that question comprehensively in a very personalized way for each and every one of you in person and online, all I can do is share some principles that I've learned from the Bible that I try to use to know God's will for me. And so I am not perfect on these. Please don't hear me saying that I'm perfect, but I try to live by these four principles. I believe they'll help you out if you're ready to take notes. Say, I'm going to write these down. All right, principle number one. If this contradicts his will, I won't. If this contradicts his will, I won't. The next decision 
you come across the next tale of two wills, you got to ask yourself, if this contradicts your will, I simply won't. I think it's the first filter that we have to live by. And, and you might say, well, then what's his will? And I can't find any better will than to read the words that he written down, he's written down for us. It is the very instruction manual for life. It is the guidance. It is the light unto our path. And so if you're anything like me, when I first started out, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 20 years old. I had a brand new experience. I always thought I was Christian, but I realized I was living for a a religion, not a relationship. And now I let God in, and I gave him the wheel of my car. And I remember thinking, I want to drive your way, but that's a big book. Like, I'm knocking out a chapter a day, God. (laughs) But what about the 3,900 other chapters I haven't yet gotten to? How do I know if I'm living your will? And one of the most important things I could say is that's why you need... You need pastors in your life. You need mentors in your life. You need people who are further down the road than you. You need a small group leader. I'm going to unashamedly preach. You need to sign up for a small group today because I'm so grateful... For my small group leader, who when I gave my life to Jesus said, Drew, I want you to come hang out with me on another night of the week. And I thought, another night of the week? And they said, yeah. And I was like, well, I'm there if you'll teach me. Now, here's the thing. I learned so much about his word in a rapid amount of time because I was with a small community of people who we all had each other's texting number. And I had my small group leader's number. And I could say, hey, no, we haven't covered this. But what would God say about this? How do you respond when you go through this? If you are dealing with this how can I know his will for my life and I'm so grateful for Pastor Rob Mooney who discipled me it was my first small group leader and he's got one of the most killer testimonies I have ever heard this year and he's coming in the middle of summer to preach here at Live Church I cannot wait till you get to hear his story but he discipled me and so they are putting up a list of small groups that you can join And be a part of because Proverbs says where there is no counsel, the people fall away. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So value the word of God being preached. Value your personal time with God and get in it. But also value getting in a small group where you can just do it on various different levels. They got easy, relaxed ones. They got deep dives into spirituality and scripture. You can find something that works for you at your time. I'm just encouraging you do it. Preach to your neighbor and say, do it. Write this down. If you don't know the word of God... You won't know the ways of God. And if you don't know the ways of God, you won't know the will of God. That's good enough. I'm going to say that again. Come on. You need to take a picture. If you don't know the word of God, then you won't know the ways of God. And if you don't know the ways of God, you won't know the will of God. Number one, if it contradicts his will, I won't. Number two, if this recharges me for his will, I will. Okay, listen, some brands of Christianity that I can remember learning myself was that Jesus was a suffering Savior. And so some make it feel like you got to get in the grind and if you're not suffering for Jesus, he's not happy with you. No, 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 listen. It's okay to rest and recharge and then get back to his will. 
I'm being recharged for his will. I'm not being recharged for perpetual recharging. I want to be about his will. And so do not feel bad about um, playing around the golf and then being recharged for his will. Going on vacation and being recharged for his will. Taking a nap. And I heard some hallelujahs up in there. And then getting back to his will, just don't fall asleep on your, his will for your life. See, I'm taking a nap and I'm resting and recharging so that I'm even stronger for his will. So that I could go even longer for his will. See, some of you, maybe not all of you needed that, but some of you, that's why we encourage you to join the dream team because God's got a purpose for you and each and every one of you are called living stones in God's house. Which means your stone is no less valuable than mine. Let me say it this way. My stone is not more valuable than yours. And some of our dream team stones is not more valuable. Now some of our dream team say yes all the time. Because if we all do God's will. He's got a plan that we all build the kingdom of God. And many hands make light work. But when we, when we don't put our hand to the plow. Guess what? Some people have to say yes every single week, and, and there are areas where you could be a blessing. In fact, I said it this way, that your yes equals another person's rest. You weren't called to rest 24-7. You were called to make a difference on the kingdom of God. And your yes, I'm not asking you to serve every week. I don't think you should. I'm just trying to help out some people who do serve every week and are like, I could use a break, and the last thing I want is someone fatigued. Because they put their hand to the plow and someone next to them could have said yes to. Your yes means another person's rest. And if this will recharge you for his will, I will. Does that make sense? I wrote it this way. When every believer does his will, there's less kingdom want. The kingdom is covered. That's why Jesus said, ask the Lord of the harvest for what? Workers. Because the harvest is great. There's a lot of people he wants to reach and they're ready to be reached. I'm just looking for workers to say yes. Amen? All right. Number three. Here's the third principle. If their will doesn't align with his will, I won't. Okay. I spent a lot of time on this one last week, so I'm not going to go into it in great length. Only to say this. We all have people in our life who pressures us to do things that doesn't necessarily line up with his will. And if their will doesn't align with his will, I won't. End of sentence. I'm not going to give in to temptation. I'm not going to entertain it any longer. I'm going to look into that. As a pastor, I see so many people stop chasing God because a girl's will differed from his will. And they are... Downhill. Okay, I tried to finish that off, all right? They gone. That's what I should have said. They just gone. Or, or, or a girl meets a guy and that guy's will, they gone. Or a boss's will differs with his will. And guess when we serve the God of mammon or the, the God of all high? We need to make sure that no matter what their will is, if it doesn't align with his will, in the story, I won't. And it's just a principle that I try to get it right. Once again, I don't get, always get it right. Matthew 16 says this. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. 
you do not have in mind the concerns of God. In other words, you don't have His will in mind. Instead, you have merely human concerns. So you have become a dangerous trap to me because your will doesn't align with His will, so I won't. That's what Jesus said to a very spiritual man named Peter. And that's why you and I sometimes have to say, get behind me, Satan. And then you can apologize to him. I wasn't calling you Satan. This is not about flesh and blood. This is about principalities and powers. And I am not going there. Get behind me, Satan. Okay? Somebody get your snapping fingers out. Let me hear them. Let me see you shake that head with a little pizzazz. Say this for me. Not my will, but yours be done. And I'll finish with number four, and that's this. If this funds his will, I will. If this funds his will, I will. I love when God gives me opportunity to do extra little side hustles here and there. Why? Because my wife and I already give, but when he gives a little bit more, we get really excited about we can give even more. I've met retired people before who said, I don't have to pick up shifts. I'm just so excited about what God's doing that I picked up extra shifts so I could give a little bit extra to, to fund what God is doing. And if God wants to bless his house, he has to bless your house. God doesn't just go, where's the checking account for the church? Boom! Come on, something like that. No, 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 no. He always works through believers. God wants to bless you. I just want you to add some purpose to why you just got blessed. Some of you... Have a gift of making money. You don't even know how you made money arrive. And can I help you fulfill a little, a little bit of purpose behind that? God's using you to, to, to fund his will. Let me say it like this. I have a musical gift. I can remember that I can play an instrument or a guitar, and not everybody can. You either can or you can't. And I remember I tried to use it for my will and to build crowds and, 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 and audiences and, and a name for myself. And I remember when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I remember my youth pastor saying, Now, Drew, when you play for the first time, it'll be like nothing you've ever done before. I thought a little arrogantly, but real. You can identify with this. I thought, I've played for 20,000 people you think a bunch of 120 youth are going to rock my world? He said, Drew, you will never have felt something like this. I got up there and I started playing for 120 youth and I realized that the glory going to God was the most fulfilling use of the talent he ever gave me. And I, I sold everything that the world had to offer in that music and I decided I'll never play unless it glorifies God again. And in the same way that my talent wasn't fulfilled except in the house of God, your financial gifts won't be fulfilled except in God's will. Because you can give to certain things and then they need it again tomorrow. 
Or you can give to certain reliefs that you know they're going to need it in a certain period of time. Or you think that's gone away. But in the kingdom of God, we get an eternal return on our investment. So if I can find a way to give more, I want to give more. And we as a church try to be the best steward of generosity possible. This year, 94 decisions have been made for Jesus Christ, whether for the first time or a rededication of their life. It's only June baby I'm telling you where else can you give 10% and see your neighbors' eternal souls saved come on except for his church we gave $17,000 to church planning last year and helped launch a few hundred churches those churches along with the other ones that have already been launched gave $180 million last year to launch even more churches. Where else can we give $17,000 and it turns into $180 million for the kingdom advancement? Come on. I get excited about this because our, our staff remains under 40% of our operating budget. And I'll go to bat to say we are raising up some of the greatest young leaders and, and, and talents who are not only making a difference today, but I can't wait for the dividends that we're going to see in multiplication wherever God uses them for the rest of their life. So the return on the investment is so high, it beats the streaming service every time. Because the streaming service will entertain me for 30 minutes in the evening. But give it, this building we're about to build, it is about reaching more of our people in our city, but also setting up a chance to launch campuses all throughout the eastern shore of Maryland in the proper timing because I believe every single person needs to be within earshot of a life-given church that they can go hear the message of Jesus Christ with clarity and then they'll know. I, I feel like this. If we just preach Jesus, he'll do the heavy lifting because he always promised, if you'll lift me up, I will draw all men unto me. And so... I can't wait for this. In fact, I read the scripture and it reminded me of it. Isaiah 32. I read this the other day. And, and, and bear with me if I go just a minute or too long. It says, look, a righteous king is coming. That's Jesus. All right? A righteous king is coming. That's Jesus. It was prophesying it. And honest princes, that's plural, will rule under him. I almost envisioned it like campuses. Like multiple ex opportunities to reach people in different seas, each one will be like a shelter from the wind and like refuge from the storms of life, like streams of water in a hot desert and the shadow of a great rock in a parched land. Then everyone, does that sound like a lift? I'm, I'm sorry. Then everyone who has eyes will be able to see the truth plainly and everyone who has ears will be able to hear it. Even the hotheads will be full of sins. Don't you love the New Living Translation? <laughs> You're like, hey, I've been praying for the hotheads. And they'll be full of sense and understanding. Those who stammer will speak plainly. In other words, when people come out of the turmoil of life and they get a drink of ever-living, life-giving water, they see their purpose. They hear the voice of God. They know his will, and they get their will in a line with it. And it makes all the world a difference. If this will fund that will, I will. 
In fact, what I'm about to say, I debated about saying, and I'm only saying, okay. My wife and I chose to give sacrificially to this building. We pulled out of our retirement account. You should not do that unless God speaks plainly. The Bible says very clearly that no one should give under compulsion. So I don't want anybody to feel guilty or, or like some sort of heavy weight. I rebuke that spirit, but what I want you to know is my wife and I are all in. And I said, we came to this decision when I wrote this down. Our retirement savings will show up for 20 or 30 years at best. But our kingdom partnership will show up in heaven forevermore. And so I, 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 I get a much higher return on investment. There ain't no interest rate that touches that. Jesus said it this way, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. One of the best things I can do with my financial resources is to pay attention to it less on earth and build up a greater wealth in heaven. I, as your pastor, am like a teacher trying to get you ready for a final exam. Because this question will be asked. What did he give you and what did you do with that that showed up in heaven? Your streaming service won't show up in heaven. McDonald's will not show up in heaven as much as you pray for it not to show up in your gut. There's nothing wrong with those things. Please do not hear that. But make room for his will as he blesses me with what he's given I have visions for what's to come and in this building we presented that listen hey uh, we had raised funds and you guys have given and up to the tune of nine hundred thousand dollars and we believe that the remodel is going to take about a million so there was about a hundred thousand dollar gap I'm here to thank you guys that you've closed that gap by giving thirty nine thousand five hundred and eighty two dollars since the first day that we announced what was going on come on I'm so, I'm so grateful for you guys, and, and you're partnering with, I really truly believe it's God's will. And, and so currently, there's just under a $60,000 gap left, and that's just for the renovations, but I'm already dreaming even bigger. <laughs> I want to put up a screen close to this size in that building. Why? Because every man in your life lusts over big screens. Some of you got people here because you said they just got a really big screen. <laughs> come to a movie theater. Can you do church in there? Just come and see. Why? Because youth will lean into that. Men will lean into that. They'll go eat wings at Buffalo Wild Wings to see something on a bigger screen than what they got at home. And I believe the name that's above every name that should be on the biggest screen in life is Jesus Christ. I want to help people sing his name. I want to help people hear his name. I want to help people see what his name is all about. And so, hey, vision's growing. We're going to do it at some point. I just love to do it on day one. Maybe you're part of funding that. And it'll be some of the greatest purpose ever because it'll show up in heaven. Not just in my stomach or not just in my free time. Amen. And so these are just some principles we try to live by. And how does it matter? Well, I want to show you what your prayers, what you're serving, and what your giving has done in just the life of one testimony. Watch this. November 2018, a few months into freshman year of high school, I was struggling to find my place in life. 
And there felt like there was an empty hole missing every single day that I woke up. And then my mom got sick. I can remember like it was yesterday, the phone call from my dad telling me to pray and simply ask for the best because there was a chance that my mom would not make it home that night. I was 14 years old. I felt like there was nothing I could do. I came to the quick realization in that moment to the true worth of everything in the world. I was told there was a chance that nothing could save my mom and I would never see her again. My perspective was changed in an instant. During that time, I was struggling mentally with the fact that my mom could have died and I could have never seen her again. And I just felt so, so lost. Spiritually, I felt so empty and so unable to do anything in life. I was getting down on myself and finding my place in life as a freshman in high school was more difficult than ever. My spirit needed to find help fast and I simply could not find it. Freshman year, I had this study hall that had a mix of seniors in it and it was nice for me to use them to learn everyone's names in the school and just become more acquainted with life as a high schooler. One of these seniors was Mackenzie Niblett and she was involved with Lift Church. She invited our entire study hall that day to go to church the next Sunday and took time out of her busy schedule to pick us up, buy me breakfast, and most importantly, take me to church. I thought that if anything, I could go because it would mean I could hang out with a group of people that I simply enjoy being around. And it would allow me to escape mentally for even just a few hours. Except for the moment when worship first started, I was completely changed. The Holy Spirit flowed like a rushing wind. As a non-emotional person, I just couldn't explain why I started crying. It felt like I had a weight, the weight of the trauma from my mother, the weight of feeling broken and lost, the weight of the issues that I couldn't solve lifted right from my shoulders. Jesus made such a move that day, and in that message, I found the answer to the problems that nothing else could fix, and that was a relationship with Jesus Christ. I was brought back to Lyft many, many weeks in a row, and every week it began to feel like a spiritual fill-up. I began to read my Bible again, learning new verses and studying as I went. Then my mother and I decided to join the dream team. She wanted to join, but wouldn't do it without me. And even though the early mornings were a struggle at first, I decided to do it. After serving as a volunteer now for almost three years, I'm now the broadcast team leader and love living with God and so grateful to have Lift Church as a guide to all the questions that I have. I love being able to build a church and bring other people to Jesus. There is truly no other better feeling in the world than bringing someone you know the joy of Jesus through the broadcast and the church you have made. The dream team is the opportunity to deepen with that relationship with Jesus while also creating relationships with people who all love them. Working with the dream team to help build the church and create an experience for the people to become closer to the Lord is one of the best feelings in the world. I love volunteering every Sunday with a group of absolutely amazing people who all want to become closer to the Lord just like I do. I cannot wait to see what Jesus is going to do in my life and the life of Love Church. Come on. Jacob's right on camera one today. Let's go. Graduated two days ago from Del Mar High School, salutatorian. And the Lord touched his life and met him at Lift Church. So many others have had opportunities just like this, stories just like this. We just wanted to tell you one on where your prayers, your serving, your giving, your worship, what it's doing. Jesus said it this way. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your names drive out demons and in your name perform many 
miracles. We did a lot of cool things in your name. I did churchy things in your name. I tried to be religious. I wore wardrobe that had your name on it. I wore jewelry that expressed your name. And then Jesus will plainly say, I never knew you. For you were doing your own will. You never submitted to my will. Only those who actually do the will of the Father shall enter in to the kingdom of heaven. So your will aligning with his will is a really big deal. Can I pray for you right now? Message, and no matter where they're at, Father, I pray right now that you would do an alignment in our life. Father, we want to lay down our will and get right with your will. Father, we repent of the times that we got off course or tried to build our name or our fame when it was all about your name, God. So, Father, here we are. We give ourselves to you. In fact, with no one looking around, just between you, me, and most importantly, God, if you're in this place and you know, I haven't been living for his will, I've been doing my own thing, and I'm feeling like right now is the day that I need to make a change, and I need to let go of those old things, and I need to try a new way. I'm going to try Jesus. If you're in this place right now, I won't call you for it or embarrass you, but will you right now not be embarrassed to right now raise your hand to God right now and just let him know, I'm in, I'm in. Come on. I see your hand. Thank you. Come on. Yes, I see your hand. Thank you so much. If you're online, just write, I'm in, I'm in. When you realize I'm, I'm changing my ways and I'm going to make a decision to choose him, to let him in. And right now, all of us as a church are going to pray along with you. And I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud along with us and simply say, Jesus, I give you my life. I have messed up and I have many sins. And I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm sorry, Lord, for the mistakes I've made. But I heard your son, Jesus Christ, bled and died on the cross in my place so that I could be let free. So I'm going to receive that freedom right now. I don't deserve it, but you have washed away my sins. I am a new person starting all over again and Jesus I want you in my life not my will but yours be done in Jesus name I pray and everyone said amen and amen